Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. All right, everybody. This Halloween, we're hosting a virtual live show with our good friends over at Cult Podcast. We're doing a double feature, uh, and it's part of uh, Panic Fest online tricks and treats event. Because of the pandemic, a lot of us aren't able to properly celebrate our favorite time of year. However, now we have an opportunity to have some spooky fun and help us out with some friendly folks in Kansas City. This is more, we're doing a, we're doing a team up as Horror Virgin and Cult Podcast, not romancing the pod, but it's still going to be fun. Yeah, so 25% of each purchase goes to help keep the Screenland Armor, one of our favorite theaters in America, in business. Additionally, we'll be releasing some limited edition merch, and from now until Thursday, October 8th, you can pre-order your own piece of Horror Virgin and Cult Podcast history. Tickets are on sale now for $20, and our shirts are available for $25. However, we're offering a bundle for $40 where you get both. It's going to be so much fun, and we can't wait to see you all there. More information is available at cultpodcastshow.com. Remember that these shirts are super limited edition and are only available for pre-order until October 8th. See you all soon. Mmm, ooky spooky. Ooky spooky. I know what love is. I love you. You complete me. I may have never been kissed on Notting Hill, but I found a podcast you get but film. Maybe I'm clueless, but this is good as it gets. Paige, Mikey, and Todd serving the best of my best friend's wedding. Rom-coms, true love, and heavy petting. Be crying on the couch, but we're not forgetting. The most of these flicks are trash. We relive it again. All romance in the podcast. As you wish. I've been doing a lot of things. The thing is, I love you. Looks like love at first sight to me. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Podcast. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week we watched 50 Shades of Grey. All right. So this was my first time seeing this. Mikey, have you seen this before? No. Okay. So this is your first time too. (laughs) This is my first time. So just like Anna in this movie, it was your first time. What did you think, Mikey? Absolute trash. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Absolutely. But isn't it like amazingly bad though? It's so <laughs> yes. it's a special kind of bad that I love. I feel like you could do way worse than this movie. I feel like we have done way worse than this movie. <laughs> I, I saw Twilight. This it was the same movie except instead of vampires, there's just BDSM. Yeah, I mean that yeah. is what this this was Twilight fan fiction. Is it really? Yes. 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 That explains everything. And don't you like it so much more now knowing that? (laughs) Because you clearly, you clearly do not know uh, the history of, of this, this book in this movie. Right. So Paige, what you're saying is you've seen it before. I've seen it 
before, although not not a ton of times. I saw it in theater. I think I'd maybe seen it once after that and then today. Right. I, but I did read all the books. Here's how we got here. <laughs> Here's whose fault this is. Right. Okay. So Twilight came out and there was tons of fan fiction around Twilight. Right. So E.L. James read Twilight and was pretty inspired by it. Clearly. And wrote <laughs> this story as a large fan fiction. And then it got crazy popular. It was like reposted a bunch of times. And she got a book deal for that fan fiction, which she then had to take from being like a weekly entry kind of a thing and structure it into a series of three novels with overarching plot lines. Yeah. So that's how this movie happened. This book was written for porn. That's all this book is. Yeah. Is <laughs> is porn. And I'll be real with you, when I heard that they were going to make it into a movie, I was kind of hoping that they just made a porn of it because I feel like that's okay. the best version. Well, I did watch the unrated version, which is sort of a porn. Yeah, yeah, there's not that much extra in the unrated from what I remember. I don't know. I haven't seen the original, so I wouldn't know. But like, there is a lot of nudity. There's dick neck, as you said, Paige. I will highlight the dick neck when it comes. Yes. Uh -huh. Todd, so are you just like a Fifty Shades fan or something? Like you picked the movie. I had never seen this movie nor read the book. So I had no idea. I loosely knew what it was about because, you know, everyone talked about it when both the book and the movie came out. But I knew it was going to be super bad and fun, sort of like the lucky one. That's why I wanted to do it. So I have read excerpts of the books. At work, I work with a lot of females. So back when it came out, everyone was reading it. So I played this nice prank game where I would grab the book from their hands and then read a, a section, the page that they are reading out loud yes. to the office. This is, this is your last job, right? <laughs> right around the time you got fired? No, this is the current job. <laughs> They're the ones reading it. I didn't bring pornographic material to work. No, you just read it aloud to embarrass them. Yes, and it was so funny. Here's the thing. The book is so, so bad. <laughs> like you would not think that this movie is an improvement on the book but it is this is one of the few <laughs> times where i'm like yeah the movie is way better than that book like the book is just straight up porn so if you want porn go for the book but as far as like story and plot structure and characterization the movie actually does way better really oh, oh my god yes sad. that's oh yeah. it's so sad i don't know why this was even made what do you mean you don't know why it's made here here's why it's made because ladies buy shit that's <laughs> why it's made do you have any idea not just the money that this movie made the sex toy lines the lingerie lines the mail review the book sales that happened after the fact the you know tours and dinners and branding things as 50 shades of whatever this thing is a cash how? Yeah. I mean, every woman I knew like was reading it. I don't think dudes are into reading their porn, whereas women are super into reading their porn. And we could dig into that. I think it's because men are more visual and women are more mental. So they're going to enjoy it more reading it than men are reading it. Right. Get good at sexting, man. Yes. I agree <laughs> with that. I am one of those people where I'm not kidding. I, I'll be very honest about my relationship with this movie where I fully accept that it is bad. I fully have problems with things in this movie. Oh yeah. And yet 
when he crawls across the bed and bites that piece of toast. I don't know why it works for me, but it does. And full disclosure, it it is Shark Week, so I might not be fully of sound mind. But we're going to get into it. Can we get into it, though? Like, we need to get into the movie because there's so much to talk about. And this movie yes. is so painfully long. Yeah, this movie is pain, <laughs> painfully long. And the, the, the next two are actually longer. Ugh. All right, so let's get into this movie. We open on an aerial shot of Seattle. Cut to the interior of the Escala, where Christian Grey is getting dressed and goes jogging on the marina. Mikey, she knows the name of the building he lives in. It's very important in the book. Oh, is it? Okay, okay, sorry. So he goes jogging on the marina and then gets dressed for work. Uh, we see in this montage that he is both meticulous and monochrome, and most of the things that he owns are shades of gray. Yeah. You can also tell immediately he's very, very rich. Well, yeah, and they're juxtaposing that when they show Anna that she's very, very poor, which we find out she's sort of solidly middle class, but when you're dating someone who's, like, super wealthy, you do seem poor next to that. He's a billionaire, okay? Yeah, I mean, super rich. Yeah, they go into this a little bit in the book and I didn't remember how little they went into it in the movie in the book her roommate is also rich oh okay so Kate or Katie or whatever her name was was rich Kate yeah and so like Kate is the one who has the apartment oh right her 40 year old college roommate right oh my god and here's the thing the girl the girl playing her is like not that old the girl playing her is the appropriate age but her face is not and I don't know how that happened it's called cigarettes I guess. And hard living. We do intercut between uh, what looks like a high school. They do a really bad job of making this look like a college. Yeah, no, yeah, no joke. When Christian Gray is giving the commencement speech later, it looks exactly like my high school auditorium. Uh, we're intercutting between he's got a fancy car, she's got a VW bug, he's in a meeting, and then we cut to her and her roommate talking in their apartment, and we reveal that Anna is going to go to the interview in her roommate's place because her roommate is sick. Her roommate is the worst, but also she has the flu, which she gets over by the time Anna gets home. And by the time Anna makes that sandwich, she's like eating her food. I hated Kate at the very beginning of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, she just did you a huge ass favor and you're eating her food. Can I tell you that their relationship seems more real in this movie than it does in the book? Really? Yeah, it's so strange in the book where she's rich and occasionally there and kind of spoiled and their relationship doesn't make a ton of sense. And at least in the movie, because Dakota Johnson definitely makes Anna seem like more of an actual person, because in the book, she is very two dimensional. It works a little bit better, but their relationship is still questionable for sure. That's just odd. Fair enough. Uh, so her roommate has her take the roommate's car to drive to the interview where Anna magically finds parking literally in front of the front door of the building. (laughs) Yeah, like they were waiting for her to get there. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that makes sense about this interview is that he's going to do their commencement speech. Yes. And with that knowledge in mind, I could understand him doing an interview, but that's about it. So she's greeted at the front desk (laughs) by a team of meticulous secretaries They are three different people, but they might as well just be one person because they all look alike. I thought it was the same woman in different outfits. So they do not address this in the movie, but they do address this in the book where he has like a team of gorgeous blondes that like 
work his front desk and everything because he doesn't like blondes. So he has them there to like look impressive, but he's not attracted to them. It's a thing in the book. Okay. It's super dumb. She goes into the office and trips. He helps her up. She introduces herself. Yeah, at that point when she fell into the room, not like stumbled, she falls to the ground. I was like, is her personality type just clumsy? Like what, what is happening? There's nothing wrong with that. If it's your whole personality, Mikey. I mean, it's a big part of my personality, Todd. Mikey, you just happen to be a very clumsy (laughs) person, but you're also adorable and funny. She is nothing else except for clumsy. I had to become adorable and funny because I'm clumsy. (laughs) This is a trope. This is a thing that happens in these types of books, and it's a thing in Twilight also where their only defining characteristics are that they like old books and they are clumsy, and they have no other personality traits. But yeah, so she trips into the room, and he helps her up, and then sort of ushers her to have a seat in front of his desk, and then he sits at his desk, and then she starts asking the prepared questions. They try to frumpier her up a, a bit, but it's uh, it's not working. Well, the one thing I will give her is that she does not look like a supermodel. She does look like a real person. She's an extremely beautiful real person. Yeah. But she does look like a real person and she even though the movie doesn't give her a lot to do, I think her performance gives a little more personality to this character. Now, I think the reason they cast her was probably because she gave a little bit more fun to it. Because in the book, Anna is literally two-dimensional. She has nearly no characteristics. She has almost no motivation in the book. People basically tell her what to do, and she, like, waffles back and forth. I have a serious question coming from a very male perspective. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she's, like, the guy, like, the one of, like, the main character from Doom, where, like, there's no, like, a lot of depth there, and, like, people just put themselves in that character? Yes, absolutely. So that's the appeal of it? I have a lot of theories about this But I do think the reason it is so popular is because people want to feel desired and are interpreting this extreme and, to be frank, abusive form of desire. They are interpreting that as the most desired version of a relationship where, like, what if I was so wantable that someone would go to these lengths? And because Anna is so blank, it is very easy to just put yourself in that blank. Anna Anna is Master Chief. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yes. And think about it this way. This book does cover a sexual relationship that is not the norm. And it does cover sexual topics that may not be the norm for people either. And so in some ways, this could be a way for someone to put themselves in her shoes to mentally explore those themes and those ideas. Do mm-hmm. I think that this is a healthy representation of the BDSM community? No. Absolutely not, Linda. Not. not at all. <laughs> not at all. I would really hope that if anyone decided that they wanted to get involved in that community after reading this book, that they do a lot more research uh, and realize why this book is not great about it. We're really not watching a BDSM relationship. We're watching a guy no. who is trying to deal with the abuse he suffered as a child. Yes. On someone else. This is not a BDSM relationship. Yes. I mean, this is imminent of a lot of things sexual, child sexual abuse fictions do, which is, you know, that's their learned norm of a relationship. So they end up emulating that or getting in relationships with someone of 
a younger age because they are older, so they take on the role of their abuser and like that's yep. their norm and all of that stuff. And well, to be fair, in the context of the story, he is not that much older than her. No, he's twenty seven. She's twenty one, twenty two. Uh, I think in the book she is twenty three and he's twenty seven. Oh, okay, okay. These are the conversations we have to have around this movie. I'm so excited. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> I'm having a good time. But yeah, so one thing that bothered me uh, about this scene is she sits down with the recorder with the pad of uh, questions and like he looks at her and she doesn't have a pencil and he's like going to get her a pencil. She doesn't need a pencil. She has a recorder. I thought that this whole like little like moment between them was real dumb. Yeah. Now (laughs) she is. I would say instantly kind of enamored with him. Oh, really? I felt zero <laughs> chemistry between them in oh, this scene. there's no chemistry no, throughout all. the movie. There's no <laughs> chemistry. Or inflections in the actors' voices. I mean, the acting in this movie is solidly bad, <laughs> which is one of the reasons I love it. Like, I think it's so funny because this scene is played to the camera like, oh my God, feel the energy between them. And it's there's zero energy. So the fact that it's <laughs> shot that way, the music is that way, like Danny Elfman's doing his best to like force in some chemistry, but there's no chemistry between them. You could take the songs and like the camera angles on my trip to like the DMV to recreate this moment. Cause basically yeah. I'm like, yeah, I need to renew my uh my tags. Yeah, yeah, you're you're here to renew your tags. Oh, <laughs> look oh. at them! And then she goes, "Mikey, are you gay?" Yeah, <laughs> are you gay? Oh. I'm sorry, it's written down here. <laughs> yeah, 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 I have no critical thinking. Yeah. So I was just thinking as we were talking about her being enamored for no reason because. He was not the first pick for this role. Do you want to hear who the other... Was it Henry Cavill? Tell me it's Henry Cavill. It should have been Henry Cavill. It is Henry Cavill. Yeah! Are you serious? (laughs) Nailed it! So the author's first choice was Ryan Gosling. Okay. And he said no. Now, Henry Cavill was a choice because Stephanie Meyer, who wrote Twilight, wanted Edward Cullen to be Henry Cavill. Oh, but by the time the movies were made, he was too old. And so when this came around, there was talk of it being him, but he had already been cast as Superman at that point. And uh, couldn't do it. Yeah. So Gosling said no. He said no. Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy was cast. Really? Got partially into production and then said no and pulled out. Really? And at least he's American, right? Charlie Hunnam is British. Oh, okay. But he does a good American accent. The guy who played Christian Grey in this is Irish, and he is amazing. He's very, very good. And if you haven't seen him in The Fall, you need to watch The Fall, because that TV show is awesome. But he plays really? like a, yeah, he plays like a serial killer. He's so good. Oh, I could see that. He definitely has like a serial killer vibe. Well, I mean, Christian Grey is a serial killer, but we'll touch on that later. But like, <laughs> he's so good in the fall. But it, I think it's because he's trying to do an American accent and he just can't do it that well. Yeah, he's kind of mush mouthed and bland. Yeah, he does get a little bit better as the movies go on. But you know what we missed out on because there was somebody who really wanted this role and they told him he couldn't do it because he was too old. Alexander Skarsgård. They should have just gave it to him. Get that True Blood crowd. Yeah, dude. Well, I think that would have made it an older movie because I think a lot of this movie came out right around the time that like if you saw Twilight as a teenager when it came out, 
by the time this movie came out, you were in your early to mid-20s. Ready to try some weird shit in the bedroom. Yeah, that's who this movie is for. Because Twilight, <laughs> the Twilight movies came out when I was in college, and I was in my late 20s when this movie came out. Okay, so ready to try some weird shit in bed. <laughs> This guy just felt like really creepy. Like uh, he was always like dissecting a frog off screen. I w- <laughs> <laughs> he does seem like a serial killer, but I think I didn't read the books. But if they followed the books, I think in the books, he probably seemed like a serial killer, too. I would say so. And especially once you hear a little bit more about his backstory, you're just like the fact that he's not a serial killer is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's a legit rape survivor. Uh, uh, double. I would say oh childhood God. abuse and then teenage grooming and rape is what it ends up being. We'll get into more of it later. She realizes she has no pen, even though she has a recorder, and he gives her a pencil. <laughs> She's nervous and bad at this and asking him all of the really boring questions that would come up if you just Googled. Yeah. He gives her an answer about, like, she asks him how he's been successful at business, and he's like, business is about people, and I'm good at people. But he's fully not. No, he's, he's not. not. He's terrible. He's not good at people at all. But these people, like, <laughs> if you interview someone who's 27 who's already a billionaire, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, my parents are rich as shit. And I just bought a yeah. company that, that was already doing well. And now I get to play like I'm a rich, like smart person. But I'm not. My family was just rich. But like so they're going to say something that's really weird that a serial killer would say because rich people suck. <laughs> Sorry, Mikey. I know you grew up that way. I <laughs> <laughs> At one point, he says, identifying talented individuals and getting the best performance out of them. And she says, oh, so you're kind of a control freak. And then he leans over and just says, oh, I exercise control in all things, Miss Steele. Which is so stupid, creepy. (laughs) This movie, I can't imagine going to see this if you hadn't read the book. I I have I don't envy your experience. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so no joke. Imagine going with your wife. Who had read the book and loved the book and she talked about the book all the time. And then like you're there sitting next to her like, oh, my God, what is this? (laughs) Is this what Star Wars feels like to you? (laughs) It's telegraphed so far in the future in this movie where like the only person who's not in the loop as to what's happening is Anastasia by like two (laughs) scenes in this movie. Everyone else is just like control like we all already know we know why we're here we know why we bought the ticket yeah just get to the cable ties come on exactly yeah uh so the rest of the interview is pretty boring who cares Uh, we do yeah we do find out at one point that he invests in agricultural projects for the poor yeah he claims that it's smart business to do so what this movie does not cover is that we find out that he donates to people who've been hungry because of the way he was abused as a child. No, he he touches on that in his commencement speech. It's the only sentence of his commencement speech. But they don't go into any <laughs> further detail. The book no, actually goes into detail about oh, what okay. happened to him. Okay. He also owns a telecommunication business as well. They don't they don't say yes. which one. I think it was Verizon Wireless, but they don't go into it. <laughs> I like how she was like, "Do you do that because you're a good person?" and like And he's like, "No, 
I'm a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 50 shades of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I hate that line. That's verbatim from the book, by the way. <laughs> I know. Paige, I'm so sorry. Paige, we're going to get back to the outline in a second. Uh, Paige, you like love this. And so like I feel terrible. Like, no, I do. It's it. bad. It's bad, Mikey. Yeah. It is a bad book and it's a bad movie and I don't feel bad. I have questionable feelings inside for how attracted I am to parts of this movie and have reconciled myself to the understanding that it's because she's a two-dimensional character and you can kind of use her as an analog to explore sexual thoughts that you have in a safe way. Yeah. I was like, why is he like this like really dumb girl? Oh. <laughs> so, oh god Mikey no she, she is no she is super dumb in this movie uh, <laughs> she can, well because she has nothing to do like there's she has no character traits which is also kind of the case in the book but really she is a blank slate especially for this first one so she starts asking him actual questions that are not on the piece of paper and the first one she says is earlier you said there are people who know you well why do i get the feeling that that's not true which is actually a pretty good question yeah as she's doing that his secretary comes in to let him know his next meeting is there he cancels it and is like, I want to know more about you and asks her a handful of questions. He does not cancel that meeting. That meeting never existed. He told his secretary to come in so he could like <laughs> so he could like high road and be like, you know what? No, this is more important. Um, China's on the phone for you, sir. Yeah, no, I can't talk to all of China. I, I'm sorry. I have to talk <laughs> yeah. to this college student who I'm definitely not grooming to abuse like I was abused. Right. So yeah, he, he asks her plans after graduation. He he's like, You should be an intern. And she's like, I don't think I'd fit in here. Look at me. And then he's like, I am. Which, by the way, sets up the idea that an intern would be a sexual position in the organization. I assumed right? it was. Yeah. I yeah. here's the thing. It I is. Did. It fully is. <laughs> but that's crazy for him to be like, you should be an intern. And she's like, what? I couldn't be your sexual partner. Look at me. And he's like, I am. That's essentially what is said here. <laughs> that is almost <laughs> word for word the dialogue, Paige. So pretty yeah. much at this point on, I thought any woman in his company he had slept with. Which is not the case. In the book, they strongly establish it's not the case. But it would imply that, yeah. So just interns. Just her. That's such a real weird route to go, like, become my intern. So after he he offers her a position as sex intern, right. she gets up to leave. Uh, she says, you only answered, like, four questions. And he takes the questions from her, yeah. which is how he ends up answering them for Kate later. And she walks into the elevator, and he just goes, Anastasia. And then she's just like, Christian. And then the doors close. But that's like a callback later. So they call back yeah. to this moment later. And it was supposed to be, again, with the music and everything, this like sexual tension moment. But to me, it was just like, that's weird. Like, that's anyone would think that's yeah. weird. Well, she walks outside and she even like clutches her pearls like, oh, Lord. It is raining outside in the sky and inside in her pants. Like, <laughs> yes. But there's zero chemistry. Like, but the movie wants you to think like it had way more chemistry chemistry than like a bill nye special but like there's zero chemistry <laughs> <laughs> 
you can obviously tell that they don't like each other. There were reports that they didn't like doing the movie. If you watch those sex scenes, it is sort of like he has to be there and he has to be doing what he's doing. It's because his face never makes more than one expression. Right. I think he was just in it. I think he was just in it for the casual jeans he got to wear in those scenes. <laughs> those jeans are a plot point in the book. Are you serious? <laughs> what is not a plot point if jeans are a plot point? When I told you that this is one of the most faithful movie adaptations I have ever seen, I'm not lying. They tried to keep as much as they possibly could in this movie down to the ripped jeans. She gets back to her apartment where Kate, her roommate, is suddenly completely better and not sick at all. And she has already gotten an email from him answering all the questions. So wait, Kate comes from a rich family. In my mind, this is headcanon. And her family like knows the Gray family. She already knew that he was a creep who had like these predilections for like BDSM and like picking up younger women. So she faked an illness to make Anastasia go so she didn't have to. <laughs> the movie would suggest as much because she does not seem to be sick. She asks how he was and Anastasia's like, he was fine. And in my mind, I just like wish you had like put some stink on it and just been like, he was fine. Fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Fine. Yes. <laughs> Lay you down. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So she describes him as very formal and clean, smart, intense, and intimidating. Yes, that's how humans describe other humans. <laughs> he was very clean and ready for consumption. Yes, very pressed. Uh, so they do a reverse shot of, you see Kate's screen, and it's a screen of photos of him, but most of them are just the same photos on different backgrounds. Yes. Where they've just like <laughs> taken like three photos of him and then like edited them a little bit. Yeah, he took three photos in front of a green screen and they put him like throughout different landmarks. Oh, I thought it was a Photoshop challenge that she was looking up with him in it. <laughs> oh, that would have been, been yeah. What is really extra funny is that Kate's like, I mean, he's hot. He's like super hot. And Anastasia says, if you're attracted to that sort of human, which is something that an alien would say. <laughs> that's not a human. That's not a human phrase. The males of this species are attractive. Mm, yummy. Mm, Isn't that yummy. correct, female species? <laughs> yes. And she presses her about it. She's like, what type of human? The hot type? And then she goes on to tell her that he has never been photographed with a woman. Which seems insane, right? Like, with any woman, he's never been in a photograph with his mother or sister. <laughs> so at this point, they want to try and get original photographs of him. This is also where Kate steals her sandwich. Oh, yeah. That's dirty, man. Yeah. I literally just drove into town to do your job and you come back and eat a sandwich I just made. Oh, yeah, because she lives in Portland and he lives in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, it's a three-hour drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So she's been in the car for at least six hours and probably spent 40 minutes in that interview. So she's yeah. done a whole work day of work. Yeah. Kate sat her ass on the couch, did nothing. Christian even emailed the questions back, so she never had to go in the first place. Yeah. And she's eating her goddamn sandwich. I hate Kate so much. <laughs> <laughs> So she does look longingly at those weird photoshopped computer photos for a second. She's like, mm. 
human. Yummy. <laughs> we cut to the next day at school where she cannot concentrate and she still has his pencil. Oh, yeah. She's holding it and putting it by her mouth. We get it, movie. Yeah, I was going to say, a cigar is not a cigar in this case. Get that dick neck out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey, how are you the embarrassed one right now? (laughs) I don't, I don't. I'm taking on a really weird role. Mikey's very uncomfortable with BDSM. That's not it. I'm very uncomfortable with just this movie where aliens (laughs) try to emulate BDSM. (laughs) So we cut to outside, class is over. And her friend Jose catches up with her yeah, uh, to tell her he's got a gallery opening. He opens her car door and she tells him that she's on her way from work. There's a lot more about him in the book where he's more of like a friend zone character. And the movie just kind of gives him like that one scene. You sort of get that in the movie, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we cut to her work, Clayton's Hardware. Her mom calls and tells her that her stepfather, Bob, broke his foot golfing. How do you break your foot golfing? He tripped. Todd, you break your foot tripping, Mikey. People trip and break things all the time. Okay, we we want to talk about clumsy again. Mikey, this is not a personal attack, and I do think you're the kind of person who could trip golfing and break your foot. I'm just saying it does not seem likely. Because he broke his foot, they can't make it for graduation, which is kind of like part of me is like shitty. It is shitty, and in in the book, her mom is kind of played. as shitty a little bit. So the hardware bro comes around the aisle and tells her that he needs help out back. And as she goes to follow him, she turns and sees that Christian is in the hardware store. Yeah. And she just Mm. says, you're in here. Literally, (laughs) that is the dialogue. (laughs) Also, how did he know where she worked? Because he's a billionaire stalker, terrible abuser person. Okay. That is accurate. All of those things you just said are exactly him. And yes, he definitely owns a telecommunications company and it's whatever cell phone company she has because he definitely called their technical support and was like, hey, find out where this person is. Within the book, he triangulates her phone a lot. So wait, he really is doing that? Yes. Yes, he is doing that (laughs) because he owns a telecommunications company. I was joking and I was right. You You were were right. (laughs) Oh my God. At a certain point, he buys her a new phone because she's got like a flip phone. So he buys her like a smartphone so he can track the phone. Oh, yeah. Smart. He's an abuser. He just He's like, I'm tired of making this phone call. Let's just put find my iPhone on here. I legit yeah. made that joke because it's like the worst thing you could possibly do. And he, he's doing the worst thing. you could. OK, cool. Now I know what kind of person we're dealing with. Good, 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 good. Cool, yeah, cool, no, cool, cool. Did, did you think that him finding her in the hardware store was an accident? It was not. No. Because that hardware not. store is three hours away from where he lives. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he hired a detective. <laughs> he literally got a hotel after he found out where she lived and is yeah. like moved to Portland to stalk her. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I've got business here or yeah. whatever. business of finding a sub. Hey, brother, what is that phone call like? Do you want to come to Portland with me so I can stalk a girl? Mikey, let's go ahead and role play it. You want to be Christian? I'll be the brother. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, fuck up, bro, who doesn't have a good job? Okay, first off, that is really <laughs> hurtful, and we've talked about this in therapy. <laughs> All right, do you want a free hotel room? You want yes. to come with me to Portland? I'm going to stalk a woman I just met. I think she's like really young and impressionable. I've triangulated her location with her cell phone. <laughs> do you want to come with me? Because I don't want to do it by myself. We just did this a week and a half ago. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened to that girl. And I, you signed an NDA. Bro, we buried her. <laughs> I remember what so happened you wanna, to her. 
<laughs> do you want to come with me? I mean, yeah. we have tons of money. I'll just give you like fourteen thousand dollars. You can probably meet somebody and buy them drinks or whatever. Mikey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with you. Does she have a hot roommate? <laughs> Definitely. Do you want to know like? <laughs> I have a copy of her diary. Okay. I'm not the kind of guy who does research into these things. I just sort of wing it because I'm a rich douche. And I'm going to get her to say laters, babe, a lot. Oh, God. Well, that's why you're the dumb brother. <laughs> All right. See you at 20. I'll, All have, right. I'll have Taylor come pick you up. Let's do the chopper. <laughs> okay. Click. Uh, <laughs> we should do this more often. So... He says that he's in the hardware store just because he needed a few things. And are you free? And then she helps him find cable ties, masking <laughs> tape, rope. And she asks him if he's redecorating. He says no. Yeah, because you don't redecorate with those supplies unless you're talking about redecorating someone's life by ending it. I thought he was going to ask for some shovels as well. <laughs> yeah. Do you also have a tarp? Uh, how about lye? Uh, do you have any like nitric acid? What you guys really should do is just sell a Dexter kit. That's what I want. I want the Dexter yeah. kit. Uh, Y'all got cleavers, machetes, hockey masks. Do you guys have a ski mask here at this hardware store? (laughs) It's getting cold. Uh, They call them belly clavas in the rich community, Mikey. Uh, Now, she does say this is literally a serial killer starter kit. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I watched too much true crime to watch someone gather those tools as dennis from always sunny would call them yes his tools i like to bind and be bound yes i am a golden god Uh, (laughs) oh my god i just realized that dennis from always sunny is poor man's christian Christian gray Gray. he 100 percent is yeah if i saw someone gathering serial killer tools and they were like do you want to go for like coffee i'd be like no hey do you want to go for a walk in the woods page absolutely not (laughs) For at least for her at the time, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, happenstance. And then later she kind of finds out that like he stalked her. But then they kind of try to play it off as like, he loved you so much. He had to have you. Which is like a real crazy thing. Yeah, that's what serial killers <laughs> say right before they choke you to death. That's why Jeffrey Dahmer had a crock pot full of penises. Like that's. <laughs> she also, oh. she recommends that he get coveralls. If he's doing quote unquote remodeling or killing someone, she's thinking ahead. Yeah. And he says, I could just take all my clothes off. And she just says, okay, no, no clothes. (laughs) The dialogue in this movie is terrible. I was watching, I watched this in bed last night with my girlfriend when we were like, (laughs) when I looked at where to like watch it and I was like, oh, it's only available on Amazon. She's like, okay, cool. We'll just run it. And then she logged into her her Amazon account and she was like, oh, apparently I own the unrated version. So we just watched that. (laughs) (laughs) but we watched it like in bed together and like at this point she was like this is straight up out of the book like all the bad lines are straight up out of the book there there are huge sections of dialogue lifted directly from the book uh she thanks him for answering kate's questions and then the hardware bro comes back and he's like hey do you want me to bag those for you and he is instantly upset yeah, there's there's so many red flags. It's like playing Minesweeper on your computer. Yeah, he <laughs> offers to do a photo shoot before she even like got a chance to ask him about it. 
And he says, call me before 10 about the photos. He walks outside, hands the hardware bag to his bodyguard slash driver who then drives him off. Can I point out something about the scene that drove me insane? When he hands the bag to his driver, he then gets in the passenger seat and sits there like his mom just picked him up from soccer practice as Taylor, his driver, <laughs> walks around to the driver's seat and drives away. <laughs> he drives away, or rather his driver drives away, and she convinces her friend Jose to take the photos of Christian, yeah. and he says, do you want to try a few with a smile? And Christian just does not smile. He doesn't know how to <laughs> smile. Okay, Kanye, like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is a romance between two aliens who have come to Earth to, like, have <laughs> sex with, like, humans and just somehow got together. <laughs> Found each other? Yeah. <laughs> That's a better movie. What are you talking about? That is a better movie. I'm here for that. Yeah. I'd still watch that. Think about Earth Girls are easy, but also the girls are aliens. Yes. It's species and Earth Girls are easy. <laughs> Which, by the way, we gotta do species at Horror Virgin. We gotta do it. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm gay. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but let's do it. Okay. Oh, you, you're going to be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, Kate points out to her, he hasn't stopped looking at you. And they're like, stop it. Being groomed. <laughs> so he asks her to go to coffee. They go downstairs to go to coffee in the lobby of the hotel. And he just immediately starts interrogating her of like, is the photographer your boyfriend? How about the guy at the store? And she's just like, no. And this is where we also reveal that she drinks tea because books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could just picture like this girl who was kind of dorky in college writing this fan fiction about life. Like I would meet a billionaire and he would be obsessed with me and do anything ever to be with me. How do you feel about knowing that it was written by a middle-aged woman who had been married for 10 plus years? uncomfortable how would you feel being that man she's married to apparently they tried some stuff out before she wrote it she says that there's only one or two things in the book that she didn't try when writing it and that was the safe words she a real freak <laughs> sorry real freak <laughs> he says you seem nervous she says i find you intimidating and then he pesters her to eat which is a huge thing in the books that i hated in the books that i i also don't like in the movie where he is constantly monitoring and pestering her about what she eats and how she does not eat enough it's a real keith ranieri move if you know nexium at all <laughs> yeah that's true it is 100 percent tied to his trauma as a child let's just you know, I'll spoil it for you. His mom was a crack addict and had a, a boyfriend who was her dealer. And he was consistently abused by the boyfriend. And then at one point, the boyfriend beat his mother to death. And so she died in their apartment. And then the boyfriend just left him until the authorities basically found him. So he had been starving for days. So he is like Dexter. It's Well, it's a lot like in Dr. Sleep where he like leaves that woman and her child. It's mm -hmm. that, except he gets found, and the people that find him is the woman who adopts him, because she was working with like an agency for, like a community organizing agency, and so she's the one who finds him. And so that's why they take him in. 
but that's why he has so many things about being touched. The burns on his chest are cigarette burns from the boyfriend. <laughs> so during the sex scenes, I was like, why does he have so many mosquito bites? No, yeah, they're, they're, they're cigarette burns. And that's why he has such a weird thing about food, because he at four was left alone to almost starve to death. He asks her about her family and she reveals that mom is on husband number four and that her stepfather, Ray, is really kind of the one who raised her. And that's who's coming to graduation. Yeah. And uh, he asks if she's a romantic and she says, well, I study English lit, so I kind of have to be. And this is where he kind of ends the date. Yeah. Immediately. Like abruptly and then walks out and then she like goes after him. Right. Yeah. And then he saves her from a bicyclist on the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, I don't do the girlfriend thing. I'm not the man for you. You should steer clear of me. I have to let you go. Goodbye, Anastasia. And then he gives her no other information. And she clearly, she wants him to kiss her. Like, it's very clear. And he's like, no. You think? Yes. And it becomes a point in the book where he's like, you wanted me to kiss you. You wanted this this whole time. And he throws it at her a couple of times. In like fights and stuff. I didn't get the fact that she wanted to kiss him because there's zero chemistry between them. (laughs) Honestly, I I thought that she was just like, thank you for saving me. And then he hits her with the, we can't ever date. You need to move on with your life and find somebody else. And I was like, she must be thinking, I never said I wanted to date you. You're just the guy who we need to get photos of. Like, what are we talking about right now? How did you not understand it, Todd? She leaned back and closed her eyes. (laughs) If I kissed every girl who leaned back and closed her eyes on the street, I'd be in jail. Those women are just fainting. Don't (laughs) kiss them. (laughs) She leaned back and closed her eyes. Sir, she was having a seizure. (laughs) Sir, that's a cadaver. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hold the necrophilia jokes until Christian Gray brings it up later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So they're in class. Finals are over. Thank God. Yeah, thank goodness. And we cut back to the apartment where Kate is putting makeup on. Uh, But everyone had to take their time on the final and wait till the three hours is up. Like, no one left early. Like, they didn't complete the test. Mikey, you have the wrong nitpicks with this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So they're putting makeup on her. The doorbell rings. It's somebody delivering a package, and it's for Anna. And it has an inscription. It says, why didn't you tell me there was danger? Why didn't you warn me? Ladies know what to guard against because they read novels that tell them of these tricks, which is from Tessa the D'Urbervilles. Yeah. Uh, And he sent her first edition books. And she's like, this is too much of a gift. I have to send them back. She sets them down on the table, clearly planning to do it later. And then they continue to pregame and drink until the taxi gets there. Those first (laughs) editions are the most expensive gift he gives her. Yeah. Those would be worth tens of thousands of dollars each and there are three of them also they're wrapped like they're fish that he bought at the seattle fish market like you would not do that with twenty thirty thousand dollar books you would if you're a billionaire todd <laughs> so we cut to the college bar jose is he's in anna's orbit is what i would say yeah, yeah. where yeah. he's paying attention to where she is he's sitting next to her whole thing anna gets up and she's like i gotta pee and he's like where are you going and she's like i gotta pee and leaves the table she goes to wait in line at the bathroom goes to delete christian's contact info in her phone and instead she calls him yeah drunk dial yeah mikey's been on the receiving and giving end of those I have been on both sides of this phone call, my friend. Uh, I was a notorious <laughs> drunk texter, but oh. not necessarily to like an ex or anything. 
I would just text people I knew just like weird shit where I'd be like, I saw this bear and it made me think of you. And they're like, I haven't seen you in months. What is going on? No lie. Drunk dialing is so fun. It is really fun. It is really fun. I don't drink, so I don't. I mean, I, I've called people late at night. It's much more sad when I've done it, though, because it's not <laughs> under the influence of alcohol. Drunk calls are great because they always start out with like, yeah. You should be here partying with us. And then they end with like, why don't we talk anymore? And it's great. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Anyway, so he answers and she's like, thanks for your books, but I can't accept. And uh, he says, you're welcome. Where are you? And she just says, I'm in line because I have to pee. And he asks her, have you been drinking? Which is insane, given what she just said to him. <laughs> right. Here's the reality. If if the answer is no, she needs to get to a hospital. She's having, she's a, having stroke. a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just says, I want you to go home. And she just says, you're so bossy. Come to me, Anna. No, stay away from me, Anna. You're no good for me. Now come to me. And that, to me, is their first attempt at a joke. And I kind of like it. Uh, I did laugh. I did laugh. I saw it. And he says, tell me where you are. Which bar are you at? And she doesn't tell him. No, but it doesn't matter. Because he triangulates her phone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She basically gets kidnapped. Yeah, kind of. No, it's not kind of, Paige. It is. Paige, he gets kidnapped. He goes in and kidnaps a drunk woman. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying there's more to it even than just kidnapping her because he stalked and kidnapped her. Yeah, it's premeditated. The fact that he thinks that she needs to be quote unquote saved because she's out drinking with friends is a huge red flag. And that's before he triangulates for her position and kidnaps her. Consider also... It's not drinking that he has a problem with. It's that she's out drinking without him. Yeah. Because they drink together all the time. Yeah. So she turns to the other girl in line in the bathroom and just says, I told him, right? Which cracked me up because no, you didn't. (laughs) You told him nothing. And he calls back and just says, stay where you are. I'm coming to get you. And she freaks out. Because her stalker just threatened to come (laughs) kidnap her. Yep. Uh, She goes outside to get some air. Jose follows her out with her jacket and tries to make a move. And she says no. Like, yeah, no question about it. She is like, no. And he pushes it. She says no again. And he tries to kiss her anyway. And Christian pulls him off of her and says she said no, which is ironic because she also told Christian no when he said he was going to come get her. <laughs> Two no's make a yes. Yeah. yeah. He only cares when it's someone else, not when it's him. Then she pukes on the ground. Yeah, she pukes yes. in front of him. He hands her a handkerchief. She wipes her face with it. And then she just says, I will launder this item like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> because this is the story of two aliens finding love on an alien world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he basically tries to get her to go with him, and she says, no, not until I tell Kate. Now, if Kate was functioning on, like, good party rules, Kate would have said, I will take her home. Yeah. Or can yeah. you take us both back to our apartment? And instead, Kate's like, no, I'm just going to hang out, make out with his brother. Let's do this. Yeah, because yeah. he sent his brother in. To distract Kate. Yes, it's all planned from the get-go. Yeah, absolutely, Mikey. Yes. So he brings her inside to basically say goodbye to Kate, and she says, that's your brother, and he says, not by choice. 
which is very weird. Yeah, rude. <laughs> I mean, like, they're adopted, but, like, also, okay. Also, his family <laughs> took Christian Grey in. And they're very nice to him. Yes. Yeah. They are. He's just a fuckboy douche. It wasn't my choice, Todd. So she tells him she's going to pass out, and he says, now? And she goes, yes, now? And he catches her. He pulls a real Mikey move here and tries to kiss her. Because he that, just that's the- not a Mikey move. <laughs> I don't like when you drug about me like taking advantage of unconscious women. That's that's, uh, that's not a that's maybe a- you shouldn't take advantage of unconscious women then. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> she passes out. She wakes up in his hotel where he's left bed. out aspirin. Yeah, in in his bed in his shirt uh, where he's left out aspirin and uh, orange juice, but also water on the bedside table, and. He walks in and says, good morning. How are you feeling? And she says, better than I deserve, which is ridiculous because all she did was get a little drunk. Yeah. <laughs> after graduate, like after finals are over, I was just like, God, cut yourself a break. You're 23. Everyone pukes once in a while. Jeez. Like, it's fine. My friend got arrested the morning after our graduation. <laughs> for what? We thought there was an abandoned car in his apartment complex because it had been there for, like, I don't know, the whole time we were in school. So we bought fireworks to set off inside that car. Someone owned that car. So, um, yeah. <laughs> We all had to pitch in and buy that person a new car, and they dropped the charges. Jeez. That's real funny stuff. Yeah. I swear to God, that car had not moved in four years. (laughs) Well, I mean, the building manager would have had it towed if they knew it didn't belong to anybody. I mean, Mikey, I'm not saying we were in the right. I'm just saying (laughs) what happened. All right? So she asks him, did you put me to bed? He said, yeah. And she said, you undressed me and he said i didn't have much choice which he did he had so many choice uh and then she says where did you sleep and he motions basically next to her and she says did we and he says we didn't necrophilia is not my thing basically you were dead to the world i was not gonna do it another joke that doesn't quite land no especially when he undressed an unconscious woman (laughs) it's also not played for a joke mikey yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't come off. no i didn't laugh i was just like oh i don't think you should joke about it Yeah. yeah so then she says so we just slept then and he says it was a novelty for me to for me too and then he bugs her to eat again he tells her that he had his driver pick up clothes for her and she's like you didn't have to And he says, yes, I did. Yours were covered in vomit. And then he scolds her for being drunk, which is super lame. Because I'm like, (laughs) she is 23. It is the day after her finals. She didn't ask you to take care of her. She had friends there. There's a right way and a wrong way for people to go out drinking. And she was doing it the right way. Yeah, they took a taxi. I mean, I, I would say she drank more than she needed to. Sure. But she had her friend there, too. Like, they, she had yeah. crewed up. She was with people who were going to keep her safe. Like, she wasn't in any danger. She was when Christian got there because dude's a serial killer. <laughs> but as he does this, he removes his shirt for no reason. Well, he had just gotten back from like a run because he was all sweaty. Yeah. And this is where he says, if you were mine, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. (laughs) With no context. (laughs) And she takes it like, oh, okay. I guess that's a fine thing to say to an adult. If you didn't know the book and you didn't know what was coming, that makes no sense to you watching the movie. And then I was like, well, but her character doesn't know it's coming. So that makes equally no sense. Fucking run. 
Run away. That's a huge red <laughs> flag. Yeah. Well, she doesn't know much about sex. So maybe she thought, oh, maybe that's what happens. I mean, if you do it right. <laughs> uh, the, the worst part about this scene is that they go to like, they, they get close to kissing. See, this is not the worst part of this scene. This is actually a weirdly good part of this scene. And I'll die on this hill. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. He gets really close to her mouth, but she puked all night and, yeah. and yeah. has morning breath. And he, she was like, kiss me. And he goes in. He's like, yeah, that's disgusting. I'm, I'm just going to eat this toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, so what happens is she's eating breakfast. He crawls across the bed to her shirtless. Yeah. And leans in as if he's going to kiss her and instead just takes a bite out of her toast and then crawls back off the bed. Yeah, probably because she smells like vomit. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And I don't know why I find this so sexy, but I do. And I can't explain it. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's dumb. I know it's hilarious. But for some reason, it works for me. I love it. And I don't know. I, too, love carbs, Paige. I do, too. I, I actually paused the movie at this point to go make toast and then came back and ate toast while I watched the rest of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not sexually, just because toast is awesome. Okay, that scared the <laughs> hell out of me for a second. Someone texts Jake and makes sure he like runs over and bites her toast whenever <laughs> she makes it. <laughs> so she says, why am I here? And he says, you're kidnapped. Yeah, I mean, well, what he- you're my prisoner. <laughs> I asked for a ransom and they haven't paid it yet. What he actually says is I'm incapable of leaving you alone, which is fucked up. Yeah. Also red flag. <laughs> red flag. I'm going to start texting this to people I matched with on apps. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Mikey currently bringing up hinge to do so. <laughs> I can't leave you alone. I'm incapable. Oh, no. Uh, why did you send me those books? I owed you an apology for letting you believe that I... I don't do romance. My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand. And then she just says, enlighten me. And he's like, no, because he's crazy. <laughs> Be no, because he's a fuck boy and he is setting up a sex without relationship situation. There's so much easier ways to do this. Well, here, so here's the weird <laughs> thing about this movie and, and the book. And I think it's why people don't view it that way is because it is monogamous and they have all the trappings of a relationship without technically having one because he calls her his girlfriend. Like, it is effectively a relationship without quote-unquote love. Okay, and Paige, I'll grant the premise that over the course of this movie, it does sort of become somewhat of a relationship. But in the beginning, he's talking about how he doesn't want that. That's not at all what he wants. He throws it in her face that he, like, yeah. slept next to her that one night. I hate Christian Grey so much. He's such a fuckboy. He is not a dom. I mean, this part's not that bad. I mean, we've all been there where we're like, hey, I'm incapable of relationship. My name is Mikey. I, I will <laughs> say he does. He is upfront with what he wants and is not. He doesn't play games. Well, he kind of does because he like tells her what he wants. And she's like, I don't know if that's what I want. And he's like, how about if I break into your house about it? And like, <laughs> you know, would you like it more if I bought you a car? <laughs> so uh, she puts on her new clothes. He tells her that she looks beautiful. Uh, she says Taylor has good taste. And he tells her that Taylor will pick her up after work at the store. And then he tells her he would like to bite her lip. She says, I think I'd like that. And then he says, I'm not going to touch you without your written consent. 
Which honestly, <laughs> I understood. Hey, modern romance. Man. Yeah, he's yeah. a very wealthy man. He probably has had friends that have been sued for stuff, and he just wants to be safe. I get it. Yeah. I don't think he has friends. That's fair, Mikey. <laughs> so they walk to the elevator. They're alone in the elevator, and he just says, Fuck the paperwork. And they start making out in that elevator, man. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> have you guys ever done it? It's a blast. I've done some very gross X-rated shit in elevators. I mean, it is fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mikey's like, yes, I've done sex once. The sex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like Richard Gere. I don't know how elevators work. <laughs> My first elevator was a limousine. <laughs> <laughs> it only went horizontal. <laughs> So she comes home and her roommate is having sex with Christian Gray's brother, like on the couch in the middle of the living room. Yeah. Uh, And he's the one that coins the phrase later's baby. Yes. Uh, But Christian says it to Anna a lot in this movie. I think it is played like they're making fun of them. Yes. But it's still ridiculous. But it comes off of an alien learning that maybe that's the appropriate phrase for this <laughs> for this social interaction. <laughs> Later's baby. Yes. Yes. Later's baby's from the book as well. The thing that I thought was crazy was once the Gray brothers leave, Kate starts drilling Anna like she had just been drilled. Yeah. And she bugs her. She's like, you only kissed once. That's odd. And I'm like, no, it's not. She was unconscious. If more than that happened, your friend has been raped and maybe you should take her to a counselor. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. We cut to Anna's job where she's just distractedly putting price tags on things in the hardware store, which is like the general emotional state in retail. Just like. I believe they call that phoning it in. Yeah. Taylor picks her up and then says, Mr. Gray will be joining us there. He then drives her to a helipad where she gets into a helicopter with Christian and he flies her for their first date. This is this is where this is where I fucking lost it. <laughs> when he started flying the helicopter, I was like, this is so dumb. <laughs> I'll do you like, one better. I had a friend who took a girl on a first date in a helicopter in college. Oh, what? <laughs> Yes. I mean, he didn't fly it. He had like rented like a helicopter tour for them and it did not work out because Oh my god. Turns out that's a lot to put on someone for a first date. <laughs> <laughs> and people made fun of him for it for like ever. So word to the wise. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Can I just say this? Her shift ended at seven. We know that because the movie says that. Yeah. They had to drive to wherever the helicopter was. Let's call that 30 minutes. It's a 90-minute helicopter flight from Portland to Seattle. I looked it up. They're landing at (laughs) 9. This woman has not eaten dinner, and he takes her right to his place without feeding her, and I felt so bad for her. Get her some food. Yes, and he's so picky about eating, except this time, and maybe he was just like, she about to eat this dick. I'm not going to worry about no food. Like Maybe that's what it was. Do you think when he's... uh feeding her he's like the private helicopter's coming in for a landing on the penthouse mikey that is exactly what we should do to our significant others and in my mind she's chained to a high chair that's made for adults (laughs) 
<laughs> they make those. Yeah, Mikey, I don't know how deep into this world you have ever been, but that exists. I'll tell you some stuff about my life that's pretty personal right now. I don't have enough sex right now to specialize. <laughs> I don't know how deep on fet life you've gone, but it gets pretty dark in some places. Is there like a fetish where like a person is like single and like lives alone and like yeah, I, mm, microwaves meals? You know what, Mikey? <laughs> yes. There's also a fetish for that person telling another person on a Zoom call that normally he plates his microwave meals, but didn't have time tonight, Mikey. <laughs> That legit, that legit happened before you joined the call. I, I assumed. <laughs> it's a freshly meal. <laughs> it's a fetishly meal, Mikey. See, Mikey, this is this is your problem. You gotta specialize. Everyone yeah, can do the broad strokes. You gotta be a specialist. Yeah. Hmm. Pick a lane and then drive in it fast. <laughs> I live my life one quarter mile at a time. <laughs> How dare you quote Fast and Furious to me, Mikey? How dare you? <laughs> the one franchise we can't do on either podcast, you throw it in my face. If your fetish is lots of laundry that hasn't been folded, come on over. <laughs> And fold my laundry. (laughs) Is that what you're into? Are you into me making up songs about the cat and occasionally cooking breakfast sandwiches? And And feet feet stuff? stuff? Come on over. (laughs) Also, I'm going to need you to cover me in butter. Don't ask. Okay. Is your fetish being ignored while someone plays Xbox? (laughs) (laughs) I take it back. You do specialize. (laughs) Anyway, he asks her to sign an NDA. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's like, you better sign this NDA before you get this DIC. Yep. And she says. Can I do it? <laughs> well, OK, I'll, I'll start it off with. Are you going to make love to me now? Oh, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, OK, OK. Then, yeah, you can say it. I'll say the you other do, part. Paige, yeah, you do Christian Grey. <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, so <laughs> he wants her to sign an NDA. And then she says. Are you going to make love to me now? And he says, I don't make love. I fuck hard and then (laughs) proves throughout the rest of this movie that he does not do those things that's true uh he also so he says well he says two things one i don't make love i fuck hard right and she says and the second thing and he just says come and then drags her to the playroom and she says oh like an xbox and stuff and he says (laughs) i did think that was funny i thought yeah i thought that was like the only joke that landed for me yeah and and he says just so you know you can leave at any time (laughs) So he opens the door and it's a crazy sex dungeon. It's arguably the most well-organized sex dungeon I've ever seen. Do you guys think Taylor has to clean that room up? No, they have a maid that has to clean that room up and it's covered in the book. Oh, is it? (laughs) Oh, gross. Yeah, and it's it's a source of embarrassment for Anna. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey's giggles are the best, man. I fucking love them. Okay, next scene. I'm ready. No, no, no. <laughs> no. We've, got to, we've got to talk more about this scene because this is the first time she sees the playroom. You Mikey. guys just do this podcast because having her describe the scenes and you describe them is just making me giggle and blush <laughs> enough where I can't talk. Well, this is where Anna's asking about like what everything is in this room. Yeah, right? he oh, he yeah. walks her past uh, a series of floggers, canes, and then he says, "Say something, please." And she asks, "Like, do women do this to you?" And he says, "I do this to them." Fair question. 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And he says, I do it to women who want me to. And she says, you're a sadist. He says, I'm a dominant, which is different. Yes, it is. But also, no, he's not. Yeah. He says, I want you to willingly surrender basically to what I want to do. And she says, why? And he says, to please me. And she says, how? And he says, I have rules. If you follow them, I reward you. If you don't, I punish you. And she says, what do I get out of it? And he says, me. me. <laughs> Like it's obvious, which is really funny. Like, so I want you to, I want to do a reading of that scene where I'm like, I, <laughs> like just forcing a woman to sit there and watch me play Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> I do it because you want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to watch me play these video games. What do I get out of it? You like those freshly dinners, bitch? Me. <laughs> you get me. And if not, you get punished with the, the red room of undone laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's slightly pink for some reason. <laughs> it's because I washed the whites and the colors together. So next, he takes her to tour her bedroom, and he says, if you agree to be mine, this would be your room. Decorate it however you like. And she says, you want me to move in? He's like, no, idiot. Just Friday through Sunday when I want yeah. you. <laughs> Just weekends. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she says, so you would sleep in here with me? And he says, no, I'd be downstairs. I don't sleep with anyone. And she says, what if I don't want anything to do with all of this? I wouldn't have any relationship with you at all. And he says, and again, this is him telling her exact his exact what he wants, you know, like not hiding it. He just says, this is the only type of relationship I have. And this is the way I am. Yeah. Um, he is a fuck boy. Well, the reason I wouldn't classify it as fuck boy is because it is monogamous. You can be monogamy, monogamously. I don't think you can. Not until you can pronounce it. <laughs> I, I date women monocles. <laughs> I date women with only one glass all the time. They got, that's what monogamous is, right, Mikey? They got, done. They got monocles. Yeah, I can mononic I can monocle like hurt women one at a time. <laughs> Mikey is so bad at relationships, he doesn't know what they're called. <laughs> what are you, what are you Mikey speed dating through a bunch of women with <laughs> Oh my god I'm so sorry you broke me Welcome to my red room of joke pain page (laughs) Now all I want is to go to a live show That we're putting on And to see a bunch of women in the front row with monocles With with shirts that say Mikey is single lady I don't want to get into some monocle relationship with you, okay? (laughs) I'm looking for my Mrs. Monopoly. (laughs) God damn it, Beach Week is named after something on the Monopoly board. (laughs) I got all the way to the park place (laughs) route. I have to go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) See if Teresa makes it all the way to Boardwalk. Will Teresa collect $200? (laughs) I'm not saying that Christian Gray's relationships aren't bad and unhealthy, but I think a fuckboy implies somebody that's only in it for fucking and nothing further. And clearly this is further than that. They have to live in with him. They have these contracts. They have these rules. It's just not. He, he doesn't have emotional investment in them. That's my version of a fuckboy. Like, he's only using them for sex. 
and that's it. I don't care if she's wearing a monocle or glasses. It doesn't matter <laughs> I was to me. Say, he's using it for that sweet, sweet monocle action. <laughs> right. He's only in it for his pleasure, not theirs at all. He is very much just a fuckboy. He's saying, I don't do romance. I don't do X, Y, Z. But he, what he is requiring is, I would say, as committed as a normal romantic relationship, if not more. Except he has none of the requirements that a boyfriend would have of listening. Right. Going to a graduation, mm-hmm, meeting yeah. her parents, listening. You said that one already, Mikey. So maybe you should listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. then <laughs> uh, she says he, he really speaks to her in a monocle tone. <laughs> Mikey, not to quote a great movie that we should do. But you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she says, negotiate. What do you mean by negotiate? And he tells her he has a contract prepared. And she basically is like, I don't understand what you're asking of me. Which I will say, if you're not in that lifestyle, that is a very confusing thing to bring up. Yeah. And this is where we find out that she is a virgin this is this is where it it gets i mean it's already troubling this gets a little more troubling because this is now shaping her sexual experience to believe that a relationship like this is her norm which here's the thing right if she was fully understanding of what goes into a relationship like this and chose it great i hated this part because he sets up the fact that he's a dumb and that they have a contract that they have to sign and all of this stuff and that he's only going to have sex with her in that red room and then she has to go up to her room and then whatever and then she says that she's a virgin and then he's like, oh, okay, well, all the stuff we've been talking about for the past hour, fuck all that. None of that's going to matter anymore because you're a virgin and that drove me insane. Yeah. Because he then takes her to his room and then they have like the most vanilla sex ever. What I kind of have a problem with here is that because he asks her, where have you been? And she says, waiting. And he says, men must throw themselves. And she says, never one I've wanted. And to me, it implies it's almost like he's collecting her. It is it is a conquest. Yeah. But this first sex scene gives you a taste of how much nudity is about to be in this movie. Oh, yeah. There's so much nudity in this movie. Also, they have a ceiling mirror. No, I noticed the ceiling mirror too And I talked to Natalie about this Because she was like, I mean, he's like a BDSM dude That would make sense But he just set up the fact that he does not have sexual partners in his room So he must be like laying in bed at night Like giving himself finger guns like, ooh, yeah No, no, no So they, there's, there's two sex scenes this night The first one is in her room She wakes up alone And that's where the mirror is Then she comes downstairs to the piano and he carries her back to his room, which is on the same floor as the piano. Oh, God. Yeah. And he does sleep next to her (sighs) then in his bed. Literally everything he said that night, he throws out the window. Which is not a true, like, emotionally unavailable move. Because let me tell you, (laughs) the last thing you want to do is sleep, like literally sleep with someone. No, you got to be like, look. My dog has to go out, and this has been. (laughs) So she makes breakfast, but she's making pancakes in a stainless steel skillet. What kind of madness is this? So they eat breakfast. He licks her fingers clean, and he says, let's get you cleaned up. We do see his pubes. 
at this point. We do when he gets mm-hmm. in the bath, yeah. They have a fun, sexy bath time, and they get out of the bath, and he says, do you trust me? Like Aladdin. And then he gets his magic carpet, and he's like, meet this monkey. Oh, yeah. No, we already saw his magic carpet when he got into the bath, Paige. That's true. Keep up. And Keep it, up. It does uh, match the drapes. It does indeed. Be weirder if it didn't, if it was just bright red, and he's like, I did it to match the room. Wear this monocle. I really need it. It does it for me. Uh, so... <laughs> he, he brings back a, a gray tie and he ties her up with it. Yeah. And then they have sex again. Yep. And he does repeatedly ask her for consent, but it doesn't super matter because she's basically kidnapped at this point. So they're right about to like get down. They're yeah, they in are. the foreplay stage and we hear his mom come into the apartment and he quickly gets dressed, runs out to talk to his mom. Anastasia gets dressed, meets his mom. And his mom is like, oh, you're very pretty. Come to dinner at our house. His sister is back from Paris. The mom is sort of nice-ish. I I like the mom. Yeah, his family uh, is set up as being incredibly nice and incredibly generous throughout the course of the story. So she, once the mom leaves, asks him how many women have stayed here. And he says 15. She says, that's a lot. It is. That's not that many. No, Mikey, it is because <laughs> he was in that relationship with the rapist from when he was 15 till it was six years. So until he was 21. So in the past six years, he's had 15 partners. There's nothing. No, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that this level of relationship with. Yeah, yeah. because it's people who have moved into his apartment. He's had 15 like live in quote unquote girlfriend. Just for the weekends. <laughs> All right, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, that's true. Just for the weekend. I mean, how many of them wore monocles? None. Yeah. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He didn't give the monocle to any of those. <laughs> Mikey, okay, I'm just going to pitch this. It's just like The Bachelor, except it's me and you. I'm the host. We're trying to find you a woman, <laughs> and you give them a monocle every week until someone <laughs> leaves with a full set of glasses, and then that is the woman you marry. I was going to say, do, do they just collect them and they have to hold yes, multiples? Yes, yeah. We call it at first sight. <laughs> Paige, let's do this. I'm not oh. even joking. I have the cameras. I don't wear monocles. I see. Hard. Hard. Is what it should be. Hard. <laughs> so at this point, she asks if he would still go out to like regular dates with her, dinner and movies. And, and he's like, no, I don't date. I'm a fuck boy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I related to these parts of the movies. Oh, like <laughs> dinner and like conversation. Like we have oh, to like leave my apartment. Uh, that's like a lot. Though. <sighs> um, mm, what if we get takeout? Like, I, meet me halfway. <laughs> so at this point, she asks to go home, and he says, "Sure." So they walk down, and she walks past a row of cars. She says, "Which one's yours?" And he just says, "All of them." He drives her home. She falls asleep in the car. They stop. They go for a walk in the woods where clearly he's going to murder her in a clearing. Can I just say this? She is at this point ending the relationship, it seems, right? Yeah. And she has said, take me home. She falls asleep. And without asking if it's okay, he drives her to the woods and says, let's take a walk. He is murdering (laughs) her. It's terrifying. If I woke up in that situation, I'd be like, okay, well, I had a good run, I guess. Yeah, I should have signed that NDA. Uh, yeah. So she starts asking him, basically, how did you start doing this? And this is where we find out that he was essentially molested from the age of 
15 to 21 by one of his mother's friends. This scene blew me away because it was so unhealthily talked about. Because he's like, yes, this woman, I was her sub. And we still talk on occasion. We're friends. Yeah. Yeah, my rapist and I still talk. So... He basically tells her that he ended up liking the relationship, which is how grooming works, and it's really upsetting. Yeah. And he then tells her that he's never taken another girl in the helicopter or let her sleep next to him. She's the only one. Who would believe this? Like, would any would any woman actually believe this? Yeah, Anna does believe him. Yeah. It, she does because she's naive. And in, right. in the book, it is true, but it's... I wouldn't believe that shit. Yeah, that's like me being like... Yeah, yeah, I've never taken anyone to dinner. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go outside at all. <laughs> he hands her the contract. He drops her off at home. He basically asks her to read it carefully and email him if he if she has any question. Right. And she says her computer's down and he just says, I hope you say yes, laters, baby. Ugh. And then she walks into her house and there's an IT guy setting up a new computer for her. Well, and she like is like, oh, I don't have any idea what could possibly be happening here. So at this yeah. point forward, though, I've put together that like he was sexually abused as a child. So a lot of the behaviors he's emulating. So she probably got him stuff and did a lot of grooming behaviors like yeah. got him a computer or a phone or things like that to like set him up with that. And he's doing the same thing to her. And I was like, oh, this is not great. This is makes me feel real icky. In, in the book, it's revealed that he does it for all of the subs. So he buys them a car for them to use. He buys them stuff like a whole wardrobe. It's like a whole thing. They're basically kept women. Elliot and Kate are going to have dinner. So her roommate is now dating his brother. Right. So she, can, she can't get away from him, basically. Not that he would let her anyway. Not that he would let her anyway. And you think he would ask, she she would ask his brother like, hey, do you know about this like weird contract stuff or like women living in his apartment on the weekends? No, he has told her she cannot talk about it with anybody. Anybody. He hasn't, she hasn't signed that yet. I know, but that's what sociopaths do. They try to (laughs) isolate you from other people. A lady friend note. Ooh, I have a lady friend. It troubled me that her best friend, who ostensibly has been her friend for a long time, who would probably know that she was a virgin. Right. She comes home from being away for a weekend and her friend has nothing to ask her about. No checking in, no how do you feel, no are you okay? How are you processing this? Later in the movie, when he gives her the car, she does say, move at your own pace. Don't do anything you're not ready for, right? Yeah, but at that point, I feel like it is it's too, too late. little too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right, Paige. He didn't say that her first time. He just said, I'm going to remedy this. Or it's, I'm going to remedy the situation. And she says, I'm a situation. And then they have sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No. He should have been like, no, you're the situation. And I've always had a fantasy to bang the situation from Jersey Shore. So let's go to my room. Do your best New Jersey accent. And this is going to happen. Hey, I've got some hair gel for you to use. Don't worry. Um, In this room, I have a gym, a tanning machine and a laundry. And laundry. Machine. But in straight lady friendships, the first time is a thing that you talk about with people. She's been gone for a weekend alone. With a very rich man. Yeah, she's either A, no longer a virgin, or B, lucky to be alive. In this situation, it's both. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> now she opens up the laptop and there's a note on it that says, I'd like you to use the laptop for research. And she says, is this what our relationship's going to be like? You ordering me around? And he says, oh, I hope so. And what's more, you'll like it. Which I hate that he keeps telling her what she will like. I'm like, no, no, no. It's up to her to decide what she likes. And if she decides that she likes this, great. But like, she has to be the one that decides that she likes this. Yeah. So they move to Seattle and there's kind of a montage of her like moving, getting her new life in Seattle together. And he keeps pestering her about the contract. Once they get moved in, she comes back to her apartment and we find out that he has broken into her apartment because he's a <laughs> fucking stalker. Yeah. Did he break in? Yes. How else did he get in? Yeah, because she's like, did you read the contract? And and she says, I have. It was nice knowing you. And then he breaks into her apartment and he's like, oh, it's been nice knowing me, has it? Yeah. Let me remind <laughs> you how nice it was. Like, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so he brings the tie out because she did say that she was missing that tie. She had joked about it earlier, but also he broke into her fucking house. Yeah. Uh, and he ties her hands to the rungs of her bed, which is the only reason to have a metal bed like that. Right. And he lucks out that she's wearing a front zip closure bra so that he can <laughs> basically use it as a blindfold. Yeah. For her. Yeah. I mean, it's a real pro move. I mean, I got to give it to him there. Mikey's taking notes over here. <laughs> so they finish having sex. We can kind of see his burn scars. Yeah. She asks if the, if her touching him is breaking the rules. Uh, and he basically goes to leave and says, I told you I don't sleep with anyone. And she says, can we negotiate? And he leaves. So he breaks into her house. Yeah. Spanks her, hits her from behind, and then he's out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, he does. He's like, feelings, relationship, I'm out. Yeah. Let me show you how nice this is. Nice for what, bitch? Like, it's just. <laughs> He's a horrible dude. He's a bad guy. <laughs> she texts him that she has some issues with the paperwork, and, want, and he asks if she wants to discuss it over dinner. She demands a business meeting, which I thought was actually pretty cool. He says he'll be wearing a suit, and she says she'll be wearing a burlap sack, but instead she shows up in a very nice dress. Is that a joke? Was that played for a joke? There was more to it in the book, the implication being that she is being purchased as property. Oh, that's... Oh, well, that's not as funny. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to hear a loud spoken out by a woman. And and she is, <laughs> she is doing it as a joke, but like uh, when she walks up, he just says, that's a hell of a sack. Miss Steel, which taken out of context is great. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a funny line too. And she brings the pencil, the original pencil, back with her for the contract negotiation. Yes. Yes, because when you sign contract, you want to be in pencil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, which now oh. now that she used that pencil to strike out anal and vaginal fisting, I can you imagine him later just like erasing it? <laughs> yeah. You signed it. We're gonna go in front of the judge. In sex court. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have a new goal. Once we, once we make love at first sight a thing and we become famous TV presenters, I'm starting sex court. <laughs> well, you have to wear a monocle if you're the judge. Oh, yeah, naturally. If you start sex court, it has to be not real sex crimes, like not SVU, but no. things like he left his socks on. Or yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he told me he couldn't wear a condom because asthma. Like, whatever it is. <laughs> My dick like, can't breathe. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so she says she doesn't want to use genital oh, clamps as another guys. one. 
Holy shit. I'm oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. So she strikes out anal fisting and vaginal fisting and no two genital clamps. He looks so disappointed. <laughs> he does. And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't know if you notice this. He has very tiny hands. <laughs> <laughs> But it's at this point that she asks, what are butt plugs? And he never answers that question. But also, I'm like, of everything on that list, that's the most obvious. But I'm just like, she's not. She's. It's hard to believe a young woman would know what anal fisting is and not know what a butt plug is. Or that she would be like, genital clamps, got it, and hard pass. But what's a butt plug? It's in the name. It's. <laughs> she also nixes suspension, which like, girl, come on, that's a fun shit. She nixes it and then does it in about twenty minutes. But yeah, well, she does it with leather uh, cuffs, which she does agree to. She just doesn't agree to be hung by ropes from the ceiling. Okay. And he tells her because she's listing out the things that can be used on her, and she says no tape, and he, and she's like, what's other? And he says cable ties, revealing that it's all the things he bought that day in the right. hardware store. And he says, I'm impressed by your commitment to this meeting, so I'd like to offer you something in return. And so he's going to add that (sighs) once a week they go on a regular date. I hated this. I thought that was the worst part. I hated this so much because he's like, you know what? You're such a special whatever. I'm going to offer to take you on one date, which is like the (laughs) least amount of thing you could do. Once a week is a lot. Oh, my God, Mikey. How dare you defend Christian Grey right now? How dare you? I mean, think about this. Think about this. If you're in a relationship with someone and you're contractually obligated to do a date a week, that's a hard relationship. What if you have a bad week? What if you're sick? You're oh, my breach God. breach a contract. <laughs> you do have some legitimate concerns. <laughs> I feel like, you know how people who are bad at relationships and they're like, Happy anniversary. Here's a coupon for a back massage. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, what it felt. Exactly, Paige. That's how I felt. I was like, this is ridiculous that he's only offering one date. This dude's rich. It would have been better if it was in more detail if he was like, we could go to the movies. Subsection 7, action movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that Rambo is a hard limit. <laughs> so she basically says that she wants to leave. And he's like, no, you don't because your body language, which again, stop telling her how she feels. Yeah. And then she proceeds to basically trick him into telling her an expanded sexual fantasy which is clearly going to turn him on and then she just leaves yeah. for the night yeah. which I was kind of just like good for you girl yeah know your power girl <laughs> we cut to her graduation yeah. and this is the first place we see her stepdad and then we realize as Christian goes up to make his commencement speech that he wore the tie to graduation. Yeah. Then we get what I think is probably the funniest part of this movie where two girls in the audience are like, he's so hot in front of Anna and Anna just (laughs) leans forward and goes, I hear he's gay. And then just sits back and they're disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. When she goes up to collect her diploma, she's like, nice tie. And he's like, are you still considering the contract? Just please try it my way. And this is where he he gets introduced as her boyfriend and they get photographed together. He like goes to take the photograph and then pulls her in like you would with a girlfriend. It's kind of odd. It seems a little forced. It does. Where I think maybe she was not ready for that to be public. Yeah. It's almost like he forces her hand a little bit by making it public. They go back to her place. They have champagne and teacups. 
This is where he buys her a new car. Yeah. <laughs> Would she have gotten to keep the car if she didn't sign the contract? She does. Oh. She never signs the contract, Mikey. You know that, right? That's yeah, right. She never yes. signs it in this movie. Yeah. They kind of get into a, a bit of a fight over the car. She's not happy about the car. As you wouldn't be, because that's insane. I will say that the car was probably cheaper than the books he bought her earlier. It's an out-of-model car, and he's made modifications to it. Yeah, so he's low-jacked it, so he knows where it is at all times. It's, I believe in the book they established that it's about an $80,000 car. What? How much, is, how much are the books? Uh, the books they establish as being a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just like sold those books and been like, this lady just gave me $200,000. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go buy a Burger King franchise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at this point she ends up talking to her mom on the phone and her mom is like sorry about the graduation but also why didn't you tell me you had a boyfriend what's up and yeah. she's clearly on the phone upset about her boyfriend and that's why her mom offers to basically like hey come down for a weekend take a break yeah so she goes to christian's house they they kind of start fooling around on the couch and he says i want to take you to my playroom and she says i haven't signed the contract and he basically says, consider this due diligence. Yeah. Basically, like, so you know kind of what you're getting in for. And she agrees. Uh, so they go to the dungeon. I call it a dungeon, but it's just the red room. Yeah. The playroom. He braids her hair. And this is where he goes and puts on his fancy distressed jeans. Let's talk about the braiding of the hair, because this is where it becomes unbelievable. <laughs> Why? Because you a man can braid? In four seconds flat, he braids her whole hair in four seconds. He, okay. She doesn't have that much hair to braid, and he yeah. just does a simple three-strand plate. Yeah, it's not like he's fishtailing that junk. I know many men who can braid. I could braid. Ugh. Can you braid that fast? I mean, Natalie has a lot of hair, so probably not. But, like, he's doing that because he's showing her, when we do this, you need to have your hair braided just this way, and you need yeah. to kneel on the floor by the door and wait for me. Yeah. Uh, he then pulls out leather cuffs that he's going to use on her later. His cuff system is state-of-the-art, really nice. Next-level cuff game. Uh, then he brings out a riding crop, and he's basically just kind of teasing her with the riding crop, and he has her hold out her hand, and he basically hits, swats the center of her hand with the crop and said, did that hurt? And she says, no. And he says, see, most of the fear is in your head. Right. And thus begins what I would argue is the sex scene in this movie. Like, there have been many. This is the famous one. This is the one you paid admission for, yeah. Yes, this is the price of admission. So he clips her into the cuff system. So she's hanging kind of with her arms up. She's basically suspended by her arms. And he removes her underwear and sniffs it. Yeah. <laughs> He always goes one step too far for me. I, yeah, exactly. I'm not a I'm not a smell oriented person, uh, so this was weird for me. I mean, I was like, she's probably been sweaty in those. She's been wearing those all day. He then <laughs> there's a bit of a montage where we do see him tie her to a bench. So he's like play. He's playing with her in a couple different parts of the room where yeah. she is suspended in the cuffs, but then at one point she's tied over one of the benches. And then we see him remove the jeans, and in the process, we see his dick neck. <laughs> Hit him with a dick neck! Dun, dun, dun. When I first saw this movie, I saw it in theaters with my sister and a bunch of my coworkers at the time. All of us under the influence of much, much alcohol. My sister 
who had really, really liked him on, I think it's, it was it like Once Upon a Time that he was on? <laughs> some some TV know. show. Yeah. And on the way out of the theater, she was like, guys, we saw his dick neck. And we were like, <laughs> what are you talking? Oh, and I was like, do you mean the shaft? And she was like, there's a head at the end of the dick. I'm going to call it a neck. And we then referred to it as dick neck forever after that. I love it. So much so that when you told us we were going to do this movie, I texted two of the people that I went with and I sent you guys screenshots yes, of it. Yes, you did. Where I was like, we're watching Fifty Shades next week. And they both responded with just dick neck in all caps. God, I love it. I love it so much. So good. So we get that sweet, sweet dick neck. Then we get a montage of like every possible position. He carries her to bed after she's asleep alone. He kisses her to wake her up so that they can go to his family's house for dinner. So that's what they've been doing all day. Yeah. And then they go to his family's house for dinner. My favorite part is he asks her, do you got everything you need? And she's like, yep, but she's not wearing shoes. <laughs> and it clearly like the camera pulls back and she is clearly shoeless and i'm yeah. just like he fucks the sense out of this bitch uh, <laughs> so they go to dinner and kate is there because she is now dating christian's brother right uh and they bring up jose and christian like visibly bristles at jose where he clearly doesn't like him because he was the one that like tried to make a move on anna so he's clearly upset and this is where anna reveals that she's going to visit her mom in georgia tomorrow and has not told christian and he's really upset and so he abruptly takes her on a tour of the grounds and basically carries her to the pool house where he gives her a lecture about how she's his and how she doesn't understand why she can't just go wherever she wants. It felt real. Ugh. This is where it starts to get real ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he legit spanks her while she's over his shoulder. Yeah. And they tried to like sexy it up. But I was just like, this is really abusive. It's abusive. Yeah. Well, and this leads us into because he does tell her a little bit about the cigarette burns. He He tells her. A little bit about his mom, but not much. Or I'm sorry, it's they go home and while she's asleep, he comes in and tells her about the yes. cigarette burn. Yes, yes, yeah. You forget it. He only tells her real vulnerable things about him when she's not when she's asleep. So she goes to Georgia the next day, sees her mom, goes to bed, and texts Christian just, I miss you, wish you were here. Which is a thing that if you're dating someone and you're away from them, you text them. That's a normal thing. Yeah. Yep. And he texts back, I'm having dinner with a friend. Don't worry about it. I'm having dinner with a friend. Yes, because he's a petty, petty bitch. He is. <laughs> he calls. She doesn't answer. And the next day, she's upset. And she's drinking with her mom and her mom's like, do you want to have some food with that alcohol? And she's like, no. <laughs> uh, then her phone buzzes. And this is when we find out that Christian is there in Georgia yep. because he's a serious, abusive stalker. <laughs> yeah. And it's real upsetting. At first, I thought the scene was going to play out with her being really upset that he was there because he, she, he goes, really? Another Cosmo? And then she's like, <gasps> and then her mom's like, what? He's here. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, they should call the police. Like, this is like a normal reaction of someone. <laughs> I could not fathom why the mother leaves where she's just like, I'll leave you two alone. And I was like, bitch, no. He just traveled cross country without telling anyone 
to show up here. Yeah. Because he's clearly got control issues. And this is where he basically says the woman who groomed him is a friend. That's all. And this is where Anna calls her a child abuser. Yeah, because she is. He says, I confide in yeah. her and she knows me. Basically, she's like, what advice did she give you? And he says, well, I'm here and I have a room at this hotel. And she basically says, I hope you'll be comfortable in it. Implying like, good, have it to yourself. Yeah, bye. Well, bye. I mean, it is terrible advice. He could have just called again and left a nice voicemail. <laughs> So he asks her what she's doing for breakfast tomorrow. They go fly a glider. Yeah, they go gliding. She's basically like, you said you didn't do romance. Why are you fighting this? Because you're doing all these grand romantic gestures. And then he gets a phone call and he has to immediately return because there's a situation at work. But so Taylor picks her up. She asks how he is. And he says, well, he's kind of preoccupied today. There's some big work thing. And she gets into the house and he's just like pacing and shouting. And then he hangs up the phone and basically like anger kisses her. It's like like she's the only thing that calms him down. Yeah. And she's like, is everything okay? And he says, nothing that concerns you. I want you in the playroom in 15 minutes. Yeah. He's got to blow off some steam, Paige. Yeah. He ties her to the bed and they have sensory deprivation play with the flogger and the feather. Yeah. Uh, ending with him going down on it. Yeah. Then he's playing the piano again after. Okay, and she comes up to him and goes, everything you play is so sad. It's because he only plays Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> In the book, I believe it's Moonlight Sonata, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but this devolves into a conversation where she's like, I don't understand the punishing. Do you want to punish me right now? Why do you need to do this? Yeah. And this is where he responds with, because I'm 50 shades of fucked up. Ugh. This is, I think, the worst line of dialogue in the movie. <laughs> and it is lifted directly from the book. Oh, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it is. I laugh so hard, Todd. And she says, show me. I basically want, she says, show me. I want to see basically how bad it could be. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you even ask that? Oh, and then I will argue that he doesn't. He does not. Thank you. If the worst it could be is six Hardish spanks. It can get much worse than that. It guys. can get way worse than it that. It's way worse than that. Yeah, I don't think that's the fiftieth shade of gray. I think that he was on like thirteen of vanilla. That's like the thirteenth yeah. mm. shade of vanilla. There are vanilla spankings that are harder than the spankings he gives her. A hundred percent. And that is positioned as the hardest it will ever be. Here's what I will say. These spankings are not in a sexual context, mm -mm. and I think that's what makes it different for her. Yeah, she's like a punching bag. Yeah, he's hitting yeah. her, and she's not okay after. He he puts her to bed, but she is clearly having trouble processing the experience she has just had. Yeah. And they've clearly, for her, crossed a limit, and it's not good. Yeah. And so the next morning, she leaves the computer and the phone on the table, and she asks for her car back, finds out. That it was sold, so he'll send her a check for the cost of it, which is like, what, like 200 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> she goes to leave, and he tries to follow her, and she says, stop, no, and he doesn't follow her, but he does say Anna, and then she says Christian, and then the elevator doors close. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the movie. movie. Yeah, roll those credits. So yeah, you experienced the first Fifty Shades. Yeah, How do Mikey? you guys feel? I feel uh, like I need to sign a contract that says like we're gonna have set rules about what we're gonna do in the next episode. I would say this is the best movie of the three. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. wow! Um, but it's also the hardest 
to get through because I think huh. they let up a lot on the abuse, the heavy overtones of abuse in the later ones. Right. And we get some closure on Christian's story in the later ones. I went into this thinking that it was like a true, like dominant submissive relationship. And it's not yeah. at all that. So like I was right. surprised by that quite a bit, although it does set it up that he is just like, acting out his abuse on her. Yeah. So it does sort of make sense to me that he's not really a dominant, but he might see himself that way, even though he's yeah. clearly not. Well, yeah, no one wants to call themselves a stalker abuser. Well, but that's what he is, right? But 100%. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Mikey. So I was honestly surprised by that because I didn't read the books or watch the yeah. movies. So I just knew mm -hmm. this was going to be a bad movie because I had heard it was horrible. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. It is fully a bad movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do I think it is also kind of hilarious? Yes. Yes. Do I think there are, are lines in this movie that are unfathomable? <laughs> yes. Do I think that these are some of the coolest sex scenes I've seen in movies? Also, yes. And I think that's the weird trade-off. It's a silly movie and it's fun to laugh at. And I had fun watching it. But then I was kind of horrified that people were taking this seriously as like a good relationship. And I guess Paige is saying no one does that. So I feel a little better. But I was just like, this is insanity. I can't say no one because there are people that have problematic boundaries with media. Uh, but like, I think for a lot of people... This remains in a dream state. It's a safe haven to explore some of the desires that might not be a practical or even safe in real life. But in this imaginary state, you are safe to explore that. Yeah. Um, right. The troubling thing, and I'm sure, you know, this is probably going to come up as people talk about this movie after we've done this episode. It does seem to glorify an abusive relationship and ignore some serious red flags. This movie does. Absolutely. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. 100%. If you are someone who has been in an abusive relationship, seeing people enjoy this movie could definitely be hard because it is your reality. Yeah. But, you know, it was really fun to make fun of. Yes, because it's so bad. But it is just important for people to realize that this is not a depiction of a healthy relationship. I mean, as none of the yeah. movies on this, this show. I don't know, man. I, I do think that this does the BDSM community a disservice because it's portrayed like BDSM and it is very much not. Yeah, I also think this does the concept of consent a little bit of a disservice because... <laughs> I think most rom-coms do, but yeah. Yeah, most rom-coms do, but I'm going to say that pressured consent or obviously forced consent is not consent. That's not. And right. I, I do think that there is a bit of a degree to which he takes advantage of her being naive. Because he does, even though she is an adult and he's yeah. another another adult, he does kind of groom her. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, not only is he more experienced sexually, but also he has the whole money and power dynamic. Yeah. So, okay. So for the apartments at the Escala, by the way, the Escala is at 1920 4th Avenue, Seattle, Washington, <laughs> 98101. Um they start for one bedrooms at about $770,000 for 910 square feet. And that's actually <laughs> like for, for downtown Seattle, it's not bad. That's insane. Because that's to buy one. Sure. I mean, yeah, I didn't think you were renting it for that. But yeah, that's still insane. Yeah. Now he has what I would guess to be a three bedroom and probably the largest three bedroom unit that they offer. Although the layout kind of looks like one of their smaller units, because I can actually see it. They filmed portions of the film there. 
Oh, yeah. Um, and those are between uh, 6.8 and 7.6 million dollars. Good lord. Okay. Yeah. So he's fucking loaded. If you want, there are Airbnbs in the Escala where you can stay there. And uh, there are helicopter tour rides. But then there's also a Fifty Shades male review. Oh, my God. I need to, I need a review of the Fifty Shades male review. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. It's called Fifty Shades of Men. Which is, that sounds... It's bad. The picture uh, that's along with it is with a guy who, like, like busting out of, like, a business shirt. so uh 50 shades of men is actually an offshoot of chippendales it puts cast members from the 2002 to the 2010 chippendales team together on one stage where it's basically not only different shades of skin but also age so uh one star low class (laughs) show Another one star. The show was a disappointment. The dancers could not dance in sync. The whole thing was just cheesy. I would not recommend. Spend more money and go to Vegas. You'll be better off. Not to mention, they kept telling you to give them money to participate in the show. One star. Didn't see enough dick neck. (laughs) Didn't see enough dick neck. Anyway, so I also have a review of E.L. James's new book. Oh, yes. It's called The Mister, and it's a a romance erotic novel about a woman who has been sex trafficked. Oh, Oh. what? It's not just that The Mister is bad. It's that it's bad in ways that seem to cause the space-time continuum itself to (laughs) wobble slightly (laughs) as the words on the page rearrange themselves into kaleidoscopic fragments of repetition and product placement. There's the simple conceit for the book. James has been compelled to write an erotic novel about a woman who has been sex trafficked. There are its gender dynamics, which assert with the stuffiness of a 19th century provost that men can hump anything they please with gay abandon, while women should save themselves for the billionaire employers. It's not until page 401. What? Of the mister that Alessia, the main character, musters the courage to look directly at his penis as if it's a basilisk whose unfiltered (laughs) gaze head on will turn her to stone. Thank you. That was from The Atlantic by Sophie Gilbert. Sophie, you are my favorite person right now. I (laughs) love you so much. The review is called The Indelible Awfulness of E.L. James's (laughs) The Mister. And then subscript... The author's follow-up to her Fifty Shades series is hopelessly retrograde and dismally un- unentertaining. Oh, wow. Yes. So, box office. Yeah, let's talk to box office. So, what do you guys think the production budget for this movie was? I think this was actually pretty expensive. Yeah, like um, $27 million? I I would go 30 at least. Okay. It was actually $40 million for this movie. That doesn't surprise me. Wow. Yeah. It came out February 13th, 2015, which is the perfect time for this movie to come out. We saw it at midnight that night, and oh the theater had <laughs> oh the theater God. had a special where they had themed drinks based on the things that they drank in the movie. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. Let me go through the top five that week. It was Fifty Shades of Grey, and it made eighty-five million dollars its opening weekend. Not which surprised. Is, oh my gosh! It's an insane opening weekend. Kingsman was the second movie that weekend and it made 36 million. So it crushed the competition. 
And then the third movie that week was uh, SpongeBob movie. And then fourth was American Sniper. And then Jupiter Ascending was topping out the fifth. <laughs> Is that the one where Channing Tatum's like a rollerblading werewolf? Yes. Oh, my yes. God. It's honestly, <laughs> honestly, guys, I'm sad we can't do it for either pod because it is <laughs> next level bonkers. You should watch it. Eddie Redmayne's performance in that is nutso. I love it. Okay. I, yes. Someday we need to start a podcast just for movies we can't do on the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's total run, international and domestic. It made $166 million domestically and then another $404 million internationally. Oh my Holy God. shit. This movie made $579 million and then made an extra $65 million in DVD and Blu-ray sales. This movie made 650-ish million dollars. Not surprised. But that's your box office. So this week, I made you guys watch Fifty Shades of Grey. Mikey, what are you making us watch next week? I'm going to make us watch one of my favorite romance films, Wimbledon. Oh, okay. With Paul Bettany and Kristen Dunst, who I have an incredible crush on her. And I love Paul Bettany. Yeah, same. I think Paul Bettany's amazing. And because we've kind of gone down a rabbit hole of like watching movies about really terrible people falling in love ish. (laughs) And I wanted to pick a film because Paige has challenged me to pick a film where people aren't fundamentally flawed as people <laughs> and doing really crazy things to each other. Good luck. And I think I, I think this movie is one of them. Okay. All right. Well, I'm looking I've never seen it, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. Paige, have you seen it before? I've never seen it before. I do love Paul Bettany though. Yeah, he's great. And Sam Neill plays Kristen Dunn's dad. Oh, I love Sam Neill. Well, cool, guys. Watch Wimbledon for next week. That's your romantic homework for next week. If you like listening to my voice and want to listen to it on four other podcasts, you can follow me <laughs> at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Uh, if you like hearing Mikey and I's voice, we are also on the Horror Virgin and Pages as well. Uh, and I am at Todd J. Awesome everywhere. And Mikey is at M. Randolph 24. And if you want to follow all of our social media for this show, you can follow us at Romancing the Pod Show everywhere but twitter where it's romancing pod show because they have a character limit yeah thanks for joining us on this journey of something my mom said she's not listening to this episode that's probably for the best yeah i'm just gonna say enthusiastic consent yes lube and stretching (laughs) i love you Paige, so much (laughs) and we love all of you you complete us Laters, baby. Laters, babies. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Seriously, I'm making love at first sight a thing. I'm calling Netflix right now. (laughs) Get your monocles.